Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poon, in this is episode 194. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez. That's at Presidente. Prez, how are you doing? We're approaching the uh, big 200. It's crazy. I know. I know. A lot of, a lot of fond memories, a lot of happiness and joy expressed on this podcast. Everyone this everyone knows this is a podcast primarily for us to share happy feelings. <laughs> never vent about disappointment. <laughs> never. Uh being a Knicks fan has never uh caused her disappointment. So there's that. Uh all right, but before we get started, I do have to announce that this trickle has Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of tiers. There is a six dollar tier that gets you access to this podcast right here, Pod Strickland, every Friday that I do with Prez. You also get access to the weekly mailbag, or sorry, the mailbag that occurs every other week with me, Drew, and Jeremy Cohen. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops with all of our patrons and the Strickland staff. There's the further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I yell and bitch and moan about the Knicks even more. You also, more importantly, get access to weekly articles by the wonderful... Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There's further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Let's come with a variety of other benefits like live watch parties, listening in on pod recordings, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day yourself. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's get started. Um, It was really hard to go through that as I'm like, living and dying with every possession of this Celtics Bucks game. Um, so if anybody's wondering why it took much longer than it normally does for me to get through that, that's why. Uh, all right, Prez. Hey, I'm just going to actually made a layup. Look at that. I know he made a layup. They got a turnover. Bobby Portis made a free throw. It's all, it's all happening here. Um, he doesn't have a good excuse to like Alec Burks vert now is like 10 inches. Grayson Allen still fucking has like a 40 inch vert. He just sucks at making layoffs. He also, uh, he's just playing scared to be honest. That's like, he just looks fucking shook every time he has the ball in this series. Um, like they ran a sideline on a bounce play for him. And it was like, he came off the curl and it was a three that it's like, that's not open for normal human beings. He's but a that's phenomenal open. shooter, right? Yeah, that's that's open for an NBA shooter. And he just, like, pump-faked and threw it to Giannis. And I'm like, like those are the margins where you're playing a team this good on defense. Like, that's where not having Middleton kills you. Like, yeah. just a, one possession like that. When not you that don't it, have your second-best player. Like, and pick any of these teams. Like, yeah. if you take away their second-best player, you you just have no margin. Yeah, and I think, like, it's really different for the Celtics. Like, they're, they're, they don't have Robert Williams. So, and, and I'm not trying to, like, I don't think it's an excuse for the Bucks to lose the series. But it just, it's like, you watch it and you see, like, wow, like, this lack of shot creation against a team that, at the very minimum, like, even a guy like Tice... He, 
ideally wouldn't be playing in the series, but what he's like still a pretty good defender. You know, yeah, like he's like the third man up. He's like uh yeah. like Taj almost, except better shooter a little bit, maybe right. sort of. Actually, I don't even know if that's true. Yeah, not anymore. Taj Taj, Taj is out here. Um but like like you can just see like the they just don't Taj Gibson. Yeah. Go. But it's like you can just see like because Drew hasn't had it most of the series. Giannis has not been as efficient as he normally is, which is a credit to their defense. But it's like that's where just not having Middleton, and then not just that you don't have Middleton, but you really just don't have anybody that can like step up their usage in that capacity. You know, because like you could get away with it if you had like I'm there are think- certain bench wing. Actually, this is a perfect transition to what I wanted to talk about. Um, unless you had something you wanted to talk. No, about. No, I actually was thinking this is a perfect segue. Into yeah. It. Yeah, good yep. job. Look at you. That's what 196 episodes of hosting does, people. We don't even <laughs> got to communicate. We just know how each other... It's just like when somebody knows the other player's off-ball cutting. We just know. Dynamic duo out here. Um, but yeah, they don't... So, uh, yeah, they don't have ball-handling guys who can... What's the word? Scale up their usage, which is fine because... With Giannis and Middleton and Drew, that's a whole lot of usage right there, and you're paying a lot for it. So, like, it's entirely – it's not unreasonable to not have that much scalable high – scale scale upable usage guys beyond that. Well, it's like but, that's that's why shot creation is right the premium skill, right? Yeah. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, and, and there's definitely, like, you know, of course, you know, the way the Bucks are constructed, it, it's it, – they won a championship off of it. It makes a whole lot of sense offensively. Like you have guys, you actually have Portis can scale up a little bit beyond that. That's really it. And you don't have, you know, it's mostly guys who are going to hit their spot ups and do other things and play defense and move the ball, which is great around their core of stars. Um, you contrast that with Boston who they don't have quite as much money sunk into their, uh, their star ball handling, right? I mean, Tatum and Brown are the guys, but it's different from like we have an MVP and then we have two other guys who are making 40 mil or whatever. So what did they do? They put that money into uh, more dribble pass shoot guys around those guys, right? And it's guys they had coming into the season and even the guys they sent out, like Dennis Schroeder. I mean, he's not really the shoot part of it, but that's that was the idea. It just didn't work out. Marcus Smart dribble pass shoot guy you know even guys like horford he's basically a dribble pass shoot big man and um you know i actually out... think i think the robert williams injury helped them in that sense too by the way i know that sounds like fucked up i don't really give a shit um they were like minus 9.6 i think in his minutes net rating obviously these are very small sample sizes within the, within a series but like he's obviously very much not a dribble pass shoot guy no, um, <laughs> he brings other stuff to the table. It's just a question of matchups, right? Right, and this is just a matchup where, like, they have enough solid defenders where you can not have a traditional rim protecting five. No, because um, you're packing. You're not depending right. on one guy versus Giannis. You have to have like all of your guys in there. Yeah, and that's that's where like not having Middleton really kills you. Um, on top of the fact that like without Middleton, your entire wing defense is just like. Wes Matthews and hoping yeah. that Drew can do it. Like and I it's love just... Wes Matthews. Once a Nick, always a Nick. Even two games shooting twenty percent, still a Nick. Um, you know he's a good. Like 
he's Wes Matthews, so he's a gamer, whatever. Like, he does his thing. He'll have solid games or stretches, but, like, he's still short, even though he's strong. And he's not really getting by anybody or, or whatever outside of, like, a post-up. And if he's posting up, then the Celtics already won for the most part. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And I, I was thinking about all this, just thinking about the other teams remaining in the playoffs. Like, Boston, with the acquisition of White, has lots of dribble pass shoot guys. But that's not really the norm for most of these teams. Uh, most of these teams, you know, you look at the Suns. They have Paul and Booker. And after that, it gets kind of dicey, right? Like, Bridges is not really a dribble guy yet. He can make mid-range jumpers because he's a phenomenal shooter. He can get to, like, the elbow yeah. area. Yeah. He, you know, he's got, like, the, the introductory closeout attacker package, which is fine because he's, he's a phenomenal shooter, again. And he has the longest arms ever, so, like, he doesn't Him have shooting looks so weird because his arms are so long. Like, it, it just looks... Especially from, from three, it's fine because it's, like... It's not as condensed, so you do you can like. It's almost like he's just letting the ball. Yeah, go from but like when he shoots from the elbow, it looks like he's shooting it from eight feet out, actually. Because he basically is. Yeah. <laughs> um. But like, you look at the the minus minutes for a lot of these teams. For the Suns, who is it? Right, it's campaign, and it's killing them, killing them those minutes. Obviously, they can't even fucking play Alfred Payton because that'd be even worse. So, like, who, who do you have who's a dribble pass shoot guy after that? Cam is not that guy. Um, I, don't, I don't even – I'm blanking on who else is even on their bench. They just – Campaign, Cam Johnson, Tory yeah. Craig. But they, they've, like, cut their rotation this series. They're just like – like, yesterday he was just like, yep, no more campaign. You're done for right now. Well, they um, have to. Well, that's yeah. the, the tough choice they're faced with when you don't have that kind of versatile depth, dribble pass shoot depth. You either have to play these guys on the bench or – play Chris Paul a zillion minutes. <laughs> I mean, this is just like what what it is, right? Like you have to and this is not like unique to Phoenix. This is every team no, no, in the no, playoffs yeah. does this. Yeah, every team in the playoffs does this. a couple of the other teams and like you can just look at like look, look at look at look at Boston. Look at Boston. Yeah. Like like I don't like uh, I'm not saying if Robert Williams is healthy, there's no chance Yudoka would not be playing it. So, that's a separate thing, but like Payne Pritchard is not playing more than like, like he's giving them some minutes in the first half where they just need to have somebody give them minutes. You know what I mean? But he's not like, like he, he's not a factor in this series. Um, like there's just guys that are not going to be factors for them in this series for that reason. Right. Like they were playing some dudes in the regular season that are just aren't going to see time. And Milwaukee already did it in this game where like they cut the rotation even more. Javon Carter is not playing anymore. So it's like, you go through the playoffs, and honestly, it's like a round-by-round round thing where you just cut dudes. It's like, nope, okay, round one, your rotation probably, if you're a favorite, stays the same. If you get to round two, then it's like you slide, one guy comes up. You get to, like, it's just like a round-by-round round elimination. And some of it's matchup-specific, but some of it's just like, look, let's be real, the playoffs are different than the regular season. Guys key in on tendencies, People are actually reading the scouting report instead of just having it. Um, Oof, what like, that? yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but like, but like, you can. That's the difference. And and there are guys that have the ability because they have more talent, they have more counters, they have more off the dribble game that you can take away their one, the number one thing they want to do, the number two thing they want to do, the number three thing they want to do, 
but you can't take off the four and five and six. When they get when it gets down to that point, like you don't have enough, like they just have enough that your defense can be great, it can be perfect, it can be exquisite. They're still going to get a shot off, and at that point, you just have to live with the results. But that's like ultimately why you see teams like you will. This is like how I've always felt, and my thought has been like a guy like Kyrie Irving, for example, who was in the news today for all the right reasons, I should say. Um, but like, he is a player who is super talented, super talented, but has very, very extreme flaws. And one of those flaws is like he's a point guard. He's a point guard size dude who really lacks the kind of like feel for that position that is required offensively. And obviously he's extremely mercurial and he's, you know, if he's the focus of a defense, he's, when you have to task him with initiating and scoring, he can't balance those things well, especially even in the playoffs, as talented as he is, you can, you've seen it in his career against elite, elite opponents, he struggles. And we saw that in the Celtics series, amazing game one. After that, he was terrible. Um, But the point I'm trying to make here is like, but when you put him in the right position, right? When you put him with a LeBron who can take on the initiating duties and now he's just freed up to score and kind of be like this off ball weapon at times that guy is dynamite that dude shot creation is a problem and it's it is i don't want to say indefensible but it is you can't you can't stop you can't stop him from getting off a shot and when you have that as your second guy like that's why teams will always probably to an extent overvalue a guy like Kyrie Irving, because when you see like that ability, that ability matters so much in the biggest moments of the sport, right? Which, like which, that's the reality. Which is why, like, that's why a lot of these guys earn the big bucks, right? But like, when you have what, what I was going to get to is like you, you have a lot of these teams that lack. You're not going to find dudes who have a fifth and a sixth counter to defenses under the couch or on waivers or for the mid-level exception or something like that. But even if you can find somebody who's like a fucking shitty bodega approximation of that, that's something that Grayson Allen can't do. That's something that George Hill can't do. Wes Matthews can't do. Pat Connaughton can't do. So that's why a lot of us as Nick fans were looking forward to the trade deadline so much initially because we have a couple of guys who can give you that, who can give other teams an approximation of that versatility of shot creation without the cost of stardom, right? In Derrick Rose and in Alec Burks. But Rose got hurt, which obviously sucked. And Burks' value was fucking tanked completely by Tibbs, putting him at point guard. And it was a really a no-lose proposition, injuries aside, by the front office. And then they went and shot themselves in the foot by just enabling Tibbs to, you know, to do that. And it's just insane to me because I'm sure there was like, they weren't going to take, we know this because me and you debated this, right? Like we know they weren't going to take like a poo-poo platter of like top 55 protected second or whatever for Alec Burks. But if he had his normal shooting guard value, you could have gotten like, the 31st or second pick in some draft or a fucking 
lottery protected first or something like that. And I know it because look at what these teams are going through right now. And yeah, you can say it's because of injury in the case of the Bucks, but look at the Suns. The Suns have absolutely no depth and had like near brushes with death with Booker being out a little bit. And even now with Booker back, they're still going through it against a good team like the Mavs. Look at the Mavs. The Mavs have three shot creators. Luckily for them, one of them is Luca, who's like has the offensive burden of like three shot creators normally. So they have maybe a little more room to spare in terms of lacking that depth than most teams. But even they, like if Dinwiddie has an off game versus a good defense, it's a wrap for them. And that's one. That's not the only reason they lost the last game. But the guy was like, what, like one of three or some something like that in the last game, and. Brunson is is awesome, and I'm a big fan of his, but he's not Chris Middleton, right? Like, he, he, there's a ceiling to his shot creation, and he, even Luca, like, you can only do so much. Even LeBron needs needs guys like Kyrie or J.R. Smith back in the day. That was one of the advantages of having J.R. with LeBron is he could scale up for a quarter or two at a time, right? And then you, if he if he cooled off, you could just bench him, and it didn't cost you much. I mean, it actually did cost them a decent amount of change in that trade but that's neither here nor there my point is like it's just incredible to watch these teams trot out like george hill and campaign and you know whatever whatever and then i'm looking at a team like boston and uh i dm'd you about it with the Derek white trade obviously looks fantastic in hindsight top four protected pick next year and uh i forget who the filler was it was like someone random um Romeo Langford, my son, not someone random at all. I apologize, Romeo. But, um, you know, they a lot of people said that was an overpay. And the reason they did it was because they don't have a Luka to just assume incredible levels of usage. So you need to be able to have that versatility of, you know, when Tatum does get doubled, he can't just will his way through it like Giannis or like Luca. He might be able to shoot over it sometimes because he's pretty amazing. But you need a Derek White who can also put it on the deck, hit a layup, and not be a, a minus on defense. And Burks is not as good as Derek White. Not even close on defense. But Burks is not bad at defense. He's been, for two years in a row, a heavy minutes guy on a good defense, and he's very, very solid at the point of attack. And he executes the scheme as well. And he's a knockdown fucking shooter. So and you switch so much in the playoffs, like I just don't think he's six six. Yeah, yeah. Even even if you're saying like you don't think his point of attack defense holds up over longer, like, I I kind of agree with that. But again, like to your point, he's six six. So you can and you're switching so much in the playoffs. So who gives a fuck? Right. Um, it, I will say this: like with the Bucks, some of it is that they just don't have a lot of assets and contracts to make the right deals but like the ones they had they misused you know like i have no idea why they decided to trade for serge ibaka like that that just didn't make any sense to me i mean their original master plan (laughs) that they tampered (laughs) that would have worked yeah that that would be i mean if they had boy on right now they'd be in a totally different (laughs) stratosphere probably but um you know they they don't silver yeah, they they don't have that, and um, the reality is like like you when you have such limited resources, it's tough. Go, go and, that that makes even like 
like I can understand why you would go for Ibaka, but I don't understand that when you're so thin as it is. It was so obviously not a good move at the time. I didn't really like it. Um, I, I I don't know if I even tweeted about it or anything, but like I just remember thinking like I, I remember I think I watched a game of theirs like a couple of weeks after the trade deadline, and I was just like, yeah, that's that's not doing anything for them. Um, These teams. They're aware of this stuff, and it, it's it's definitely harder to pull off. But that that was definitely one of those weird, baffling moments. Like if you look at who a lot of these teams draft, it's not like random fucking ill college spot up guy who is also like a good hustle player. It's like Jordan Wara and Peyton Pritchard, dribble pass shoot guys who can create their own offense because they know that's the skill that costs the most. And the more money you spend, the harder it is to find that in the margins. So you try to capture lightning in a bottle with, with those later picks. And that's why to me, if I'm like, if all I have to do is give up like a mediocre second or a highly protected first for someone like Alec Burks, like, or Derek Rose, I mean, I'm, I'm, if the Knicks, if the front office is smart and wants to trade those guys this offseason, they will have the opportunity to for this very reason. But they didn't make it easy on themselves with how they deployed these guys and just tanked their fucking value. And I, I it just, it, it just makes me more frustrated about that seeing these playoff teams and just the way they're structured. And, you know, like, like we've been saying, it, it's not always easy. And sometimes injuries throw you curveballs that it's very hard to prepare for like Middleton and shit like that. But um, I don't know. It's a uh... no. I I think like like this is my issue with it, and I I don't I have no idea if the Knicks what they got offered. I'm a hundred percent positive that like they they could have traded Burks if they just desperately wanted to get off of him. Right. Um, and I understand maybe why they didn't. I do think it's bordering a little bit on hoarding, but um, I get it. But like as a team, you know. Why in 2022 would you rather have Serge Ibaka than Alec Burks? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't think there's a good reason. Um, and that's just weird. It's a weird one for me because it's like it, it's I. These teams should be smart enough to know, like, hey, uh, Tibbs doing the dumb thing doesn't make Alec Burks a bad player. And I thought that, like, even at the trade line, the guy was shooting 40 percent from three. You know, yeah. like, and, and like, I, I, I don't care what he's shooting from two because I think part of it is, is the physical aspect of it, to be honest. If I, cause if I'm, if I'm another front office, like, yeah, number one, you know, when you're giving up assets, even shitty ones, like you're going to be conservative about it because as a contending team, you don't have many to go around. So like, I get being like, is he washed? Right. Like, what is he? 30? Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, obviously he can still shoot it, but you look at the burst seems to be gone shit like that and then you look at what Tibbs is doing and are you are you buying a car with three wheels like that's a valid concern and i'm not saying i'm not saying they they should have just assumed that burks burks that we know and love was gone forever but it's definitely a thought that a lot of them had i'm sure um the the question just comes down to like has he shown enough to outweigh that in the minds of other GMs and 
what are you willing to give up? And and like you said, I'm sure they were offered like some bullshit, right? Because that's that's what GMs do. And they could have traded him for some bullshit, but they probably wanted more than some bullshit. And other teams decided he may or may not be broken goods. And we're going to see where we can use these minimal assets elsewhere, right? And like maybe it's biting them in the ass because Burks is still pretty fucking good. But I see why they would be like, this motherfucker, like, it's can't even hit a layup. Like, and he's not the worst finisher ever. He just, he's got, got no lift anymore. Fuck that. He's got no lift. And he would have had a little more lift if he wasn't fucking run down to be like sole initiator, penetrator, number one, you know, <laughs> point guard, fucking whatever his usage was. Yeah, it, it's a it's a weird one, and I don't think it's specific to Burks. I mean, like I think that you could we're we're just using Burks as an example because he's on the Knicks, and we obviously know that situation well. Yeah, but like, players. yeah, I mean, and I think like this is where, um, you know, like Ooh. it it also right, depends right. on. I know exactly what you're reacting to. Uh, it also depends on, like, what. What your team needs, what you have available to, obviously, all these kind of things. Like, could ball, like for example, Boston needed another dribble pass shoot guy, but they had access to a higher level one than Burks, right? right. So, like, they went right. and got Derek White, which was like a really good move for them. I think basically everybody thought that at the time that it, like, hey, like this is a really good move, good trade. There was, Boston. A, there was some people who were like, you know, this is namely some, not all Boston fans, and I won't even say most Boston fans, but there was definitely some people who were like. They were basically giving up the first next year. And, you know, because the Celtics are not getting a top four pick, period. So that's the thing. There's people who view first very highly, and, and there's a lot of good reasons to do that. But at the same time, like, you're trying to go for it, and you see there was a correct analysis of what their team needed for this run and for the future, because he's not just some one-year guy, right, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh you know, it was it was a it was a great move, and sometimes you have to do a move that, in a vacuum, seems like you're giving up on an asset too easily. When the benefit to your specific team, not a abstract, generic straw man team, is higher. Like Derek White was worth more to the Celtics than he was to a lot of other teams because of all the reasons we discussed. And, you know, to get into another discussion, I want to have... Well, it's like, it's also like, so they gave up what I think it was a top four protected first. Yeah. Is what they gave up for Derek White. For this year. And and I remember people looking at that and being like, well, why didn't the Knicks do that? And I'm like, well, because if you're the Knicks, you might be giving up a fucking lottery pick. Like, you might be giving up a fucking lottery pick for Derek White. And I'm not even saying like, I, I don't know this draft well enough. I don't know... No, that's the correct analysis. And then right. the other thing is, like, Derek White doesn't – he makes the Knicks better because he's a good player, but he's not hes not tipping you to another stratosphere of collective play, which he and, is and, for Boston. Well, it's not even that he's putting them in another stratosphere, but for them, they were at a level where, like, the margins matter a shit ton. Like, yeah. if it you cost get- more to improve – slightly more at that level right. than it does where the Knicks are. Well, it's kind of like when we got Derrick Rose, right? What if we gave up nothing? 
We gave up a fucking we gave up Dennis Smith Jr., who is no longer in the NBA, and a second round pick. Called it that, right. That's what we gave up for for Derrick Rose, and that that margin, like that's the right price, right, for a team like the Knicks that is still in a a, a mode of like building out your talent base and still doesn't have a star on the team. We can sit here or and any say penetration, right? We are like yeah. that's what I'm talking about with Rose, like. There's a there's a chance, given how he played at the time and his age, that the Rose deal worked out like the Kemba deal. It didn't, and we were very fortunate for that. But the situations were not that dissimilar, right? Like, to be honest, and that kind of player, mid and injury prone and all that shit, had much more benefit to a team like the Knicks, who just lacked any penetration and at that cost, basically nothing. It's a fucking no-brainer. It's a yeah. no-brainer. And and I just think that like it's also just the fact that if you don't have a star, like making margin moves have to be at a price that are like literally yeah. margins. It can't yeah. be you trading out a first. Like you don't want to trade out. You can't out be first. paying a hundred dollars for a what is it for a Powerball ticket? Yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't. And and I think the Knicks did a good job of that. I think they've still. I think they've actually done a pretty good job of that, even oh, yeah. with the failed free agent signings, you kind of understand what they were going for. And like, here's failed. Like, like, like even the Kemba one was like, what did it cost? Like, whatever. That was an actual lottery ticket. Like it's, it's, but it's like the Knicks effectively had the point differential of a 42 and 42 or 42 and 40 team this year. Okay. If you want to just say 41 and 41 for argument's sake, fine. We can just say that. So that's a 500 team. Okay. That is with this roster of, of, of players that I don't think anybody would look at right now, given Julius Randle's play this year, and say they have a star on that team. They don't have a star on that team. But they just have like enough dudes that are like good players that the sum total of it, we, we, the Knicks ended up going 37-45. I think they underperformed. You think they underperformed. Most Knicks people that are listening to this fucking podcast think they underperformed. If you don't think they underperformed, you're probably not listening to this podcast. You probably are listening to fucking... I don't know, uh, whatever fucking stupid sports radio show that you listen to. Um, but if you're an intelligent person, you listen to this podcast and other various podcasts where we know that the Knicks underperform. Anyway, the point being is this. The Knicks had basically like a 500-ish team, and that is without a star. So like that, to me, signifies that their idea of team building is correct. Yeah. The skill sets they're prioritizing exactly. are correct. because, And I don't even think... like. I don't we, even saw, gl- we saw glimpses of it after after Randall went down. I know it's yeah. the end of the season, but well, like we that's... played decent competition, and you saw what happened. All of a sudden, Evan Fournier wasn't Reggie Bullock. He was a dribble-pass-shoot guy. Manuel quickly became a drive-dribble-pass-shoot guy. Obi Toppin became a dribble-pass-shoot guy. Well, All also these just guys will reduce decisions. Quick decisions, quick decisions multiply on top skills. of each other. They multiply on top of each other. And, and what happens is like you have a guy like Randall who slows everything down. And that's okay, because stars not not that's is not exclusive to Julius Randle, by the way. Like stars slow things down. Watch Jason Tatum. Watch Jalen Brown. Watch these possessions these guys take. They slow things down, but then they create advantages, or they are really good shot makers. Randall created advantages this year at times, but he was a terrible, awful, absolutely awful shot maker this season. Terrible, one of the worst in the NBA, maybe the worst in the NBA considering usage, and. Like that is a killer, and the difference is like so. You take a slow decision maker who multiplies that negative 
effect by also not making shots with Obi Toppin, who is hyper-efficient and makes quick decisions even if he can never scale up to the, the usage level that Randall does, which necessitates that other guys have to scale up their usage. Okay, So there are trickle-down effects, and it affects everybody differently. But the point being is you took out a negative decision maker, a negative shot maker, for a plus shot maker and a plus decision maker. And all of a sudden, to your point, you see Evan Fournier can do more. Alec Burks is better suited off. You know, being able to play off of this movement and just really got to focus a lot more on just like canning catch and shoot threes. Um, you know, RJ, he had his struggles for sure as a shot creator, but I think it's safe to say, I feel very comfortable saying this, his style of shot creation is much more team friendly right now anyways than Randall's is. And that includes his stretches of like idiot. Run into- it, yeah. may, it may be some bullshit flip shots just as often as Randall, but the context surrounding it is different because he gets into it quicker because more of them are at the rim as opposed to from 17 feet, which allows guys like Mitch and Sims and Taj to go and, and even quickly, right? Like guys, these, these dogs, right? With a W allows them to crash the glass and do things and run. You know, RJ didn't pass as much as he need to, but there were times where he would do something and then pass it because he got walled off or whatever. It wasn't because of it was some great assist. It's just, he got walled yeah. off and, and, and then, then you have, have guys that can second thing, which right. you don't get to do under, under the Julius Randall offense. So, um, yeah, you know, it's straightforward. Like the team building strategy, and and we all wrote about this and read about this uh, in the off season before we knew Randall was gonna fucking crash the earth like a meteor. Like it was very clear between the draft and free agency that there was a vision of type of player that this front office was going for, and. The reason in the short term was it's, you know, it's just nice to have that even without a star because sometimes those guys can scale up a little bit like Rose and Fournier, even if there's a ceiling. And then when you eventually do ship a bunch of them out for a star, you have some of them left because you had so many to start in the first place. And then you don't run into the problem that some of these contenders have where it's like, fuck, where do we get our dribble pass shoot guys? Because you got a lot of these motherfuckers from second round picks. and random marginal deals that felt like they weren't that mat that great but like they were cool when it happened so the vision the vision is strong they just didn't want to offend their buddy and uh stumbled a little bit along the way <laughs> the nba playoff action is non-stop at DraftKings sportsbook official sports betting partner of the nba this week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now Use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I was watching, um, I watched that Sixers-Miami game yesterday. And it's not, this has nothing to do with the actual specific game. But, like, you're watching that game, 
And I'm like wondering, I'm like, man, it's so crazy. Miami just keeps finding these fucking guys. You know, they find Max Struess on the screen path. Gabe Vincent. Uh, you know, the, we can go to on and on with the list of guys that Miami has found, right? And I'm like, man, this is so frustrating. But then I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, man, is that really the difference between the Knicks and Miami? Because I think the difference is more that we just don't have our stars. Like we don't, because I'm watching them and I'm like, man, Gabe Vincent looks great. Man, Max Struess looks great. And they do. This is not to like take away anything from those guys. Like I, I'm like, they play I'm, their roles excellently. Yeah. Like I'm not even joking. I'm like semi-jokingly have watched some of the series. I've been like, the Knicks moved out. Like if their pick moved to like 12, like, would I just trade that for Max Struess? I don't know. Like, I know yeah. I probably shouldn't, but like at the same time, I'm like, he's just a really good all around player. And he's like a big wing dude. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I know what they shouldn't do it, but I'm also like, yeah, it's okay. But like, my point is these are guys they found out the scrappy and the Knicks, like, I, if there's one thing, I guess maybe I would not, I don't think it's necessarily critic criticize them for, but they haven't done enough of yet is get guys that can dribble pass shoot at a bigger size. Um, like that big wing size. They, well, that's, that was, that was the goal of, I, I agree with you hundred yeah. percent, which is also why this draft is kind of funny. This is another discussion we don't have to have, but like, there's not many dribble pass shoot have guys it, who man. are bigger. <laughs> Actually, that's true. It's not like we fucking, have a plan for the next hour. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why, uh, that, that's why, uh, you know, Cam Reddish, that's one of the reasons they went out and got him, right? right? Like, it's Yeah. And I was just like, the, all I was going to say is that like, you know, you look at the guys they've added in the draft and we can say whatever we want about their free agent signings. We'll, we'll come back to the free agent stuff, but at least in the draft, right? Like Obi Toppin, quick decision maker, drill pass shoot guy, we went over this quickly. I don't know if they thought he had point guard upside. I'm sure Wes did. I'm sure Wes thought he could be like fucking, you know, he's like, he probably was like, look, this guy is the next Steph Curry, but he's got Magic Johnson vision. Like, don't worry about it. Like, who knows what Wes was saying about quick, but like, that's another guy who has those multiplier skills and can play off of a star and to his benefit, like also provide shot creation, which again, like they probably knew because Wes had more insight on him than most guys would. Um, but like, you know, that's that you had Grimes, another quick decision maker, drill pass shoot guy. Um, I, I mean, I, for Grimes, like I actually think sometimes he just needs to slow down a little bit. Like he's yeah, like trying to, yeah, trying it's well to like documented that he's it's he plays like he's on eight Red Bulls at any yeah, moment. Yeah, so like it's that. Deuce is another guy who I think with Deuce it's more like getting comfortable, but like at the very least he has the base of a dribble bash shoot guy. He um, has the skills. He just hasn't yeah. put it together yet. Right. So Deuce is like that. Rokas, we, is Rokas, yeah, Rokas is like that, but we haven't seen that yet. Obviously, he's just was it Euro League rising star. So yeah. congratulations to Rokas. Following in the footsteps of giants like Andrea Bargnani. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I mean that that reward there. A lot of Knicks on that list. Gallo, Miritich, Miritich was, was two time. I think of that right. Miritich was twice. Rokas yeah. was almost twice, but they he barely lost last year to um, Garuba. Oh, my my son who is lost in Houston. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> no, for real. Him, bro. <laughs> um but like it's it's just like then you see what they added like they they got alec burks alec burks is a scrap heap guy they literally got him out he, he signed for what six million his first year and they kept him for a two-year 20 million dollar deal that's that's a scrap heap guy you found not not even found but like like you got at a at a at a discount we can just say that right um like Evan Fournier, you obviously paid a premium for him, and I think like you're definitely higher on him than I am. But 
Um, Fournier? Yeah, like, you, you like him more than I do. I don't dislike him necessarily. I also just, like, he's just, like, the defensive stuff with him is very much, like, shit that drives me absolutely bananas. The defensive rebounding shit. Like, he just does the things that you drive your, me... You and your fundamentals. Yeah, he does the things that, like, drive me the most nuts, right? And and so, like, whatever. But he's a dribble-pass-shoot guy. Kemba, that didn't work out, but at the very least, he can dribble, he can pass, and he can shoot. Um, it didn't work out, but it is what it is. Like, they have added dudes that are kind of, like, like that. And have they nailed all those? Like, no, because I think, like, even if Kemba was good... No one he, nails all those. Right, right exactly. Like, <laughs> Kemba, Kemba, even if he was good, I don't think his play style would really work well with what we kind of need to be doing. And go on. Randall is kind of like the sort of thumb in all of this because he's not a quick decision maker. He is a dribble pass shoot guy, but his dribble pass shooting is like the most annoying process of all time, which you can live with when he's making shots really well, but he didn't do that this year. And then he also chose to have like the greatest year ever at a time that kind of put the pressure on the front office to keep him. Right. But, but the point is like, they don't have that star. They thought they had him. They don't have, but they do real quick, real quick, like one second tangent. Like, you know how much playoff front offices think about this? And I never really put the dots together. And I still think this was a stupid decision, but it does explain it. Remember when the jazz went and got Nikhil Alexander Walker? (laughs) Yes. And it, everybody was like, the offense is not their, their problem. They have 10 perimeter defenders, all of whom are terrible at perimeter defense. But that's probably what they were thinking. They were like, look, you can't have enough of these fucking dribble-pass-shoot guys. And he's not short, and he has decent length. And, like, that is a gamble where if it works, it's worth its weight in gold. So, anyway, like, this is a this is a very serious thing that a lot of the front offices rightfully think about. Yeah, and I just, I just think, like, when we look at... I mean, I'll give you an example, too. Like, Boston, you know, since they're on my screen... They're a good example of this, though, where it's like last year, right? To some extent, you it looked like, man, their window is closed. Mm-hmm. They just haven't drafted well enough to support Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They need all these things. And now, a year later, we're like, okay, are they the favorites to win a championship? And it's it's like these stars they have, like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They took a step up, but also like their supporting guys, their dribble pass shoot guys, they also improved too. Like Grant Williams is way better than he was, right? Like way better than he was. And Marcus Smart is improved. Like it's his what, sixth or seventh year in the league, but he's definitely better than he was. And so like those guys have improved enough now that And they're like, letting him to 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 take it back to what we were talking about with Randall is like they're letting him dribble, pass, and shoot. They didn't do that last year. And if you go to like Celtics websites or talk to Celtics fans, it, there's mixed feelings about that because Marcus Smart is, is a chuck. But he's also, for a long time, been a very underrated passer. And, you know, sometimes he doesn't take layups when he has them available, which is a problem. But that doesn't change the fact that he can run a pick and roll and he's a solid passer. The, the guy was an outstanding college point guard as the guy on his team, right? He wasn't just some fucking role player. So, like, part of, you know, after they started the season horribly, 
that I remember the quotes came out and it sounded like petty bickering, but where Marcus Smart was like, yeah, they're letting me finally be me or something like that. And we were like, Marcus Smart, you fucking Chuck. But like, there was some validity to that. They're like, if you have Tatum and Brown and they're just chucking, even if they make it a lot, make the shots a lot, just like Randall did, you can't rely only on that. You can't versus good teams. And when those guys don't make the shots, then you're fucked unless you have a pivot. And at the time, the Celtics had no pivot. But like you said, they began slightly restructuring their offense to, you know, those guys are still the two sons of the team that everybody orbits around. But you let, uh, you know, you let Peyton Pritchard finally play a little bit in the regular season. Like, yeah, he's not a playoff rotation guy always, but in the regular season, he's a dribble pass shoot guy. You yeah, and, and maybe he develops into that. Like, he's a second-year guy. Absolutely. So, right. He has so, all the skills, yeah. too. Yeah. Right. And so, like, and like that's the thing. Like, Grant Williams, his third year. Last Horford. year... Horford yeah, like, wasn't playing because OKC was busy fucking tanking their nuts off, pretending he was... I know Horford agreed to it. Like, I know there's going to be people on Twitter who are like, well, Horford agreed to it. Shut the fuck up. He only did that because what was he going to do? Right, like, what's... File what's... a lawsuit on behalf <laughs> with, the, with the Players Association? Because that's literally the next step and you know what happens if you fucking file a lawsuit for that kind of shit all the teams are gonna fucking hate you and your agent and no agent wants that so please get that fantasy out of your head Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallin' drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin' wherever you get your podcasts.